0: And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then, here in the quiet of each of our hearts. Amen. I was recently listening to a podcast titled, The Habit, And The Habit is a part of a small publishing house in Nashville, Tennessee, called The Rabbit Room. And it's mainly a space, this podcast is a space where writers talk about writing, but it can also be so much about the arts, about creativity, about all the ways in which writing and the arts intersect with our faith in Jesus Christ. And last year, the host of The Habit named Jonathan Rogers interviewed Christian music producer and songwriter Brown Bannister. Now, Brown Bannister's name you may not recognize right away, but no doubt you would recognize some of the songs that he's responsible for both writing and producing. In fact, if you look at those hymn, one of those hymnals in front of you and turn to, I think it's page 123, you'll find the well-known song El Shaddai, and that was a song that he produced and he worked with Amy Grant on it, and it has become a timeless classic in our modern hymnal today. And that's just one example, and Brown Bannister was especially well-known in the 70s and 80s and early 90s. 90s for this work that he did. Now, in this recent interview from last year, Brown Bannister told Jonathan Rogers about an idea he had been exploring that he had heard about. And this idea was that there are two types of people in the world. Now he acknowledged that this may seem a little too generic or a little too reductive to put people, all the world's people into two categories. So just bear with me here as we kind of flesh this out a little bit because there is something to learn from it. Brown Banister said that some people are here I am people. Our instinct as here I am people is to walk into the room and take charge. To walk into the room and start talking. To show up ready, equipped, tank on full, ready to present what our gifts are to the world. Being a here I am person is not a bad thing. It is, we need here I am people in the world. And he said that he saw it a lot. He especially saw this personality among the performers that he had worked with, especially anybody who took a stage of some sort in the work that they did. They had to bring that confidence of being a here I am person to what the God had called them to do. And on the other hand, from here I am people, you have there you are people. There you are. And there you are people. Our instinct is to lean back more than lean forward when we encounter others. We're the people who walk into a room with our focus on what can we do for somebody else. We're the people who walk a bit more hesitantly, who are more consumed consumed with reading the room and identifying what is needed rather than to immediately offer what it is we have to say to that room. Now, here's the thing, friends. We can have a healthy mix of both of these. You may be hearing this and saying, well, Yesterday, I was a here-I-am person, but today I'm feeling a bit more like a there-you-are person. We can be a healthy mix. We can also evolve from one to the other over time, but with those basic descriptions in mind, many of us would look at this story of Isaiah and jump right to verse 8, a verse we all know so well, and say, Isaiah is a here-I-am guy. I mean, he says it right right here in the scripture. We could easily say that about him, we could easily say the same thing about the prophet Samuel, because after the Lord called to him over and over, he got up in the middle of the night, he went to Eli the priest and said, here I am, you called me. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, after Gabriel the angel visits her, at some point she uses the phrase, here I am, as well. But here's the thing we often miss when we skip verses and go straight to that chorus of here I am, Lord. Isaiah is only able to say here I am to the Lord in verse 8. Because for seven previous verses, he is overwhelmed with God with saying to God Almighty, There you are. For seven verses, Isaiah is focused on saying, There you are to the Lord. In verse 1, after a brief moment of telling us about when he's writing and who he's writing to, to give us some context Isaiah declares in verse 1, I saw the Lord. There is the Lord, he declares to us. There you are, he declares to the Lord. But as a prophet with the responsibility to put into words what he is seeing, talk about an epic case of writer's block. That Isaiah must have experienced. Because because a a writer gets writer's block when they have got so much that they need to say, so much that they want to say, so many different ways to describe it that they just kind of shut down and don't know where to begin. After all, how do you describe the throne room of God. As we know in Exodus chapter 33 from the story of Moses, when he would go and meet with the Lord, when he would come down from the mountain, people couldn't even look at him because he was overcome with the glory of God. And Moses still wasn't able to see God's face, but he was able to get close enough that he was changed by him, but he couldn't behold everything about God all at once and still live as a human being. And in Jesus, the Son of God, yes, we see the Father. And here in the time before Jesus is born, the time where Isaiah is writing like Moses, he can't see everything in the heavenly realm of God's throne, but he does see a lot that he is supposed to describe to us and to the people of Israel. And he does a brilliant job of focusing on what surrounds the throne. For these first four verses of Isaiah chapter 6, we hear nothing about who Isaiah is. We hear nothing about what Isaiah is saying, if anything, at that time. Everything for Isaiah is there you are. He models for us how we should come before the Lord in verse 1. Look with me again at that whole verse. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. What Isaiah shows us here is when we come before God, there should always be awe, wonder, and reverence. There should always be an acknowledgement of here he is Yes, we come to God now as Father. We can be familiar with God because he has adopted us into his family through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he has also not lost any of the power that we encounter in Isaiah's throne room and in his vision. How often, let me ask you about this, how often do you walk into the sanctuary prepared for worship and take a moment to say when you sit down, there you are, God. God. When we share in Holy Communion, have you ever taken that as an opportunity before receiving the bread and receiving the cup to look at it and say, there you are, God. When you open your Bible and begin to study a passage, do you ever start with a prayer, there you are, God. Perhaps there is something there for all of us to begin Isaiah is calling us today to always begin our worship, our prayer, our service, and our sacraments with this awe and wonder of there you are. We don't give up the here I am in doing so. We don't give up who we are. We don't give up that opportunity to say here I am in doing so. We're simply putting who we are and who God is in the right order. And when we start there in the right order, who knows what we will see? We could see the same things that Isaiah did. Look with me again at verses 2 and 4. We'll come back to verse 3 in a moment. This is what Isaiah sees. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Last Sunday, you'll remember, we celebrated the day of Pentecost, the day the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were praying. These verses should remind us of that historic and beautiful day because this is a vision of heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, we saw the results on earth of the mighty wind and the tongues of fire bringing heaven to earth. Isaiah gives us a glimpse of what was poured out that day and what God is desiring to pour out on his church each and every day. One of the details I especially love, which we sang about in our hymn of praise earlier, are the angels. We sang in Holy, Holy, Holy about seraphim and cherubim, and Isaiah specifically mentions the seraphim or seraphs. And let's be clear about something for a moment here, friends. Angels are spiritual Beings, Angels are not the spirits of those who have died and have gone into heaven. God created angels, angelic beings, spiritual be- beings, for specific purposes in the unseen heavenly realm. If you do any in-depth studies in the scripture about angels, you'll discover they are not little meek and mild winged creatures. Oh no, they are strong and they are mighty and they are the right amount of terrifying. When the psalmist tells us in Psalm 91 that God will give his angels charge over you, if you want to be protected and you know God's protecting you, you better believe God is sending the best bodyguards of the heavenly realm that you can imagine. And These angels that Isaiah is seeing are massive and they're strong and they're powerful, but they are always pointing back to the awesomeness of God, They are so close to the presence of God that they can't even look upon the awesomeness of God themselves. That's why they're covering their faces like the Israelites had to cover their faces when Moses had been in God's presence. Some things are too awesome to behold this side of heaven. And then Isaiah adds a little detail about these angels in verse 3 that echoes throughout time. Listen again and look with me again at verse 3. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. One angel called to another. They are declaring who God is. They're declaring that God is holy and the Lord of heaven and of earth. But not only that, they are declaring it to each other as well. They're alerting each other to who God is. The angels are absolutely consumed in a conversation of who God is. Their whole purpose is the prayer, there you are, God. And to one another, they declare, there he is. Isaiah, the bystander, overhears their conversation, and he wants to be a part of what is happening. He wants to draw closer, he wants to declare this praise, and he wants his life to point to who God is. But Isaiah, like all of us, knows that he's not worthy to do that on his own. None of us are. Without the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice, we're still just gazing into heaven, hoping to get a little closer to God. But now that power is available to us right here And right now in verses six and seven, let's look again at what happens when Isaiah realizes what he needs. Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs and the seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now this has touched your lips. Your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. As the angel descended to Isaiah in verse 6 with a cleansing and purifying power, so the Holy Spirit has come among us to cleanse our hearts and make us worthy to draw closer to him, to hear more of the angel's conversation and to join in their song. There are very few places in scripture where we hear angels speaking with each other or singing to each other. This is one example and another example is the famous story we hear on December 24th every year of shepherds abiding in a field and all of a sudden with them were a multitude of the angelic hosts praising God and saying to each other glory to God in the highest. We also see this though in beautiful poetic form In the last book of the Bible, the revelation of Jesus Christ, where angels are surrounding the throne and they're singing of the glory and the resurrection of the Lamb of God who has taken the seat of all power. In this particular story, though, long before the birth of Jesus, when the promise is still out there that God is coming, one of these heavenly beings comes to Isaiah, a human being with fire from on high. Pentecost and the season that follows is all about the fire of God coming among us. And that same Holy Spirit is cleansing us from within. And once Isaiah receives the coal upon his lips, only then does he hear what the Lord is saying. If we look in verse 8, it says, The Lord says to Isaiah, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah replied, Here am I, send me. Here I am, he declares, ready, willing, able, empowered, but for what purpose? To go to the people with a mission set out by God Almighty, to go to the people in humility and love and concern, to speak the word of God, and to go to God's children with the perspective of, there you are, children of God, ready and waiting to hear the good news In awe of God's creation, not just in awe of God, but in awe of God's creation of one another. In Brown Bannister's interview with Jonathan Rogers, he shared a story with which I'd like to conclude our time of reflection today that I think beautifully describes how we as the church are empowered to live with these rhythms of being a here-I-am people and a there-you-are people. Brown Bannister shares the story about how he and his wife, many years ago, were traveling with Amy Grant, the the, uh, well-known singer, songwriter, and contemporary Christian music, And they were traveling with her, and this was at a time where Amy Grant was really famous and really well-known. She was playing uh, to concerts in sold-out stadiums to tens of thousands of people. She was a person who was in the spotlight a lot. She was a person who was easily recognized by those who listened to her music. And they were traveling somewhere, and they were walking along, and these two young women see Amy Grant... And they recognize her, and they just run up to her so excited. And they begin talking to her and telling her about what their music, her music means to them. And they're, just, and, and they're gushing, and they're going on and on, just like I'm sure everybody here has a celebrity that if you ran into them on, that you love, if you ran into them on the street, you would run up to them and do the exact same thing. And Brown Bannister said he and his wife just stood back, And they watched, and they said she was so gracious and patient and listened and talked with these two young fans. And uh, after she was done, she came back to them, and Brown Bannister's wife said to Amy Grant, I don't see how you do it. I I don't think I could handle just constantly being in the spotlight like that. I just don't know how you you handle that. And Amy Grant looked at, at both of them and said, you don't understand. She said, that wasn't about me. What those women had to say had nothing to do with me. She said, I sang a song that somebody else wrote and these two women heard that song at a specific time in their life and in, in specific circumstances and God's the one that spoke to, or, to them. I, it wasn't because of me. It was because of what God did. And Brown Manister said at that moment, he began to realize that a lot of times the people we think are... Here I am, the famous, world, the famous singer in the spotlight, really are there you are people. And in humility, he saw that example demonstrated that somebody who seems to have all that they need to be a here I am person was much more concerned about who God was and who these people were that were reaching out to her at that time and in that moment. And friends, God has called us as the church to live in that same rhythm where we're far more concerned about what God is doing than what we are doing on our own. And this reminds us that we are all called to be a part of the angels' conversation. The angels are still declaring before the Lord, here we are, send us. The people of God are saying, here we are, send us. But may it always be with the perspective of who he is And there you are, and there we are, a world that needs to be reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let us go forth as a people of humility who indeed embrace that here we are, and there he is, the blessed Holy Spirit who lives and reigns with the Son and the Father, the blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.